The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Lake Kick on the air. It is Thursday night. It is now October 15th, the year of our Lord 2020, coming to you from the state of Georgia. Really just thought the Braves needed me down here. Didn't work out so well yesterday. We'll see how it works out today. As you can tell, this one's in the can a little bit. I had to have some sunlight here, so we're putting it in the can a few hours early. We are releasing it to you, same time you would normally expect it. I'm Josh Pate, Director Colin, back in Nashville, manning the controls there. We've got a loaded show. We always have a jam-packed show on Thursday night. We're going to get our five best bets to you. we got several more to add. We've added several on Twitter this week. Follow me there, at LateKickJosh. What else do we have? Well, we've got, obviously... Some final thoughts because a lot's happened in this whole Georgia versus Alabama matchup since we last spoke. Yeah, even some COVID-related matters. So I'm going to get to that. Not so much bringing you breaking news, but we're going to do what we do on this show, which is dive a little bit deeper beneath the surface and talk about what all this means and does it change my opinion on the game? That too. I've got several games to actually pick, several more predictions coming on the show tonight. I I think it's a sort of sneaky good week in the SEC. I just noticed that you probably see this book bag over my shoulder. It's not that I'm trying to flaunt this book bag. It's really just that there's a terrible spot on the wall behind the book bag. I'd rather you see a random looking book bag than um, what's behind that book bag. So that explains the book bag. No more talk about the book bag. And also we're going to do the mood tracker as we normally do on Thursday night. So we've got a lot to get to. I don't want to waste any time. Let's dive right in here. Georgia, Alabama, if you missed our preview video, we almost went 30 minutes on that thing the other night. And so it is on the channel. Subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel if you haven't already. It's there. What we like to do on Thursday is we just sort of add some final thoughts that have come to mind, add on to anything that's happened since we made the preview video. And yeah, some stuff's happened since we made that preview video. So Nick Saban, positive COVID test. I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm going to assume that he is not going to be coaching, at least in person there Saturday. So what does it mean? Well, a lot of people have tried to quantify this. I don't know if there's any skill in that. We shaved one and a half points off of our number. So I'm going to show you that in a little while. But I don't think that there's any staff more prepared to deal with this. Like we talked about the other day, Nick Saban just stashes former head coaches away in cubby holes at Alabama, essentially. But Steve Sarkeesian and a number of guys with head coaching experience, they're perfectly equipped to deal with this. Notice the difference, by the way, in missing a game and missing a season or missing a game and missing a month. The day-to-day impact of Nick Saban is not nearly what the month-over-month impact is, the cumulative impact. Now, 
I don't know how that affects the game Saturday. If Georgia wins 27-23, I don't know that we're looking at it and saying, well, you know that play early third quarter, like if Nick Saban was there, that wouldn't have happened. So I don't think it's excuse-making time either way. It probably, if you win, if you're Alabama, makes you think on the other side, man, like what? If Georgia, what do we need to have go right? Like, this is the year this should have happened for us. So who, let's let the game play out before we go down all those narrative roads. But either way, players are going to have to step up here. It's players who are going to have to win the game anyway, but players really have to step up. I'll tell you, the best teams Nick Saban's had at Alabama, they all have the same thing in common. Ultimately, especially those 2015 and 16 units we talked about a lot this week for varying reasons, those teams coalesced and they matured and they came together to the point where the players essentially ran the team. That's what you always hope. That's what any great coach or a coach of a great team potentially hopes to have happen is you've got the right collection in your locker room. You got the right culture installed to where the players start guiding the ship. And you know, you're there to just kind of navigate and point the direction you want it to go in, but they're the ones guiding the ship. Well, listen, you never know what kind of unintended benefits could come from something like this, whether it be someone on your staff stepping up, whether it be someone or multiple someones in your locker room stepping up. Because what I've watched from Alabama so far this year, there really isn't a Jaron Reed or a Reuben Foster or Rolando McClain or an Ashawn Robinson, man, like a just a true alpha type on that defense. They need them. So who knows what's in that locker room that hasn't emerged yet that could be forced into emerging this week. And all that stuff is to say, still a football game to be played. So the structure of the preview video, I had a lot of you call me out. It was kind of funny because I went back and watched and you were right. So I picked Alabama to win the game. But a lot of you said, wait a second, it sounds like you just talked about Georgia for like 80% of the video and then you picked Alabama to win the game. Well, that's true. Okay, There were two things. Number one, there was a point I wanted to make about Alabama that was going to be like right in the middle of that video. So for some reason, I skipped over it. That's what happens when you don't write down your notes and you just hope that it's all in your in your mind. And so I skipped over it. And so what would have balanced things out 50-50, it ended up being like 75-25, 80-20 Georgia. So yeah, that did sound weird. But it does fall in line with what we normally like to do in our preview videos, which is I know who I'm going to pick. So I skew the other way, especially in games that I think are coin flip back and forth either way. I'm giving you the reasons that I have in the barrel that I'm going to end up not using to pick the team that I don't think will win. I'm going to give you those reasons anyway, because there's a lot to like about Georgia. Rarely am I 100 to zero on one side. And I'm, it was like a 51-49, 52-48 type proposition here. So there was a lot to like about Georgia. But in doing so, I think I left out a lot about Alabama. So yeah, you guys were right. Like I heard that. That's fine. Uh, but in one of these coin flip situations... I'm going to present both sides of the argument. The Bama defense, what a big week for them. What a big sort of turning point, fork in the road type week for them. Obviously, everyone remembers what happened last week. Now, I got to tell you, I like most, probably most of you Bama fans and just most people who watched it in general, I walked away from that thinking this in no shape, form, or fashion resembles any kind of defense that I remember on good Nick Saban teams, the ones that were going to go on to contend for a national championship. And it wasn't just... To me, it wasn't just, oh, they didn't execute right. Like there were fundamental aspects of the game that they weren't able to pull off, you know, tackling, stuff like that. So I, I took a lot of time this week. I mean, a lot of time and talked to a lot of people, some close to the Alabama program, some just in the coaching world. And there are a lot of people convinced that the problems with Alabama um, probably weren't quite as dire as they were made to look against Ole Miss. 
A lot of folks, and I've had it broken down for me very meticulously, thinking that's kind of a perfect storm situation. Let me walk you through this play. Let me walk you through that play. Listen, I'm willing to listen to all that. I can certainly say that kind of performance was so beyond the pale that it almost makes you think, all right, this this could be a throwaway result. Remember how we talked about the LSU-Mississippi State result in week one and how everyone thought, well, that's going to be Mississippi State. They're just going to bomb away on everyone. And I said, no, 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 they bombed away on LSU. I don't necessarily think that this has any indication of what we should expect in the future. Well, some people close to Alabama think that's what the Ole Miss game will be. I mean, we'll see. You know, we'll see. But I, I'm willing to give benefit of the doubt here. You've at least earned that if you're Alabama over, over the course of now several years. Uh, look on the Georgia side of things. I'm just throwing some random thoughts at you here. Coming into the season, Zamir White was thought to be the premier running back there. Hopefully he's healthy now and former five-star guy out at the Carolinas. And if he's healthy, then he could be a premier back in the SEC. That still is the case. But I think Kenny McIntosh is a guy. And listening to Jake Rowe and Rusty and some of the guys and Kip, some of the guys over at uh, Dogs 24-7 talk about this earlier too. Uh, they kind of echo what I think about Kenny McIntosh. I think Kenny McIntosh is going to play a big role in this game. That's the word out of practice over there this week. And I I don't think that's a shocker to anyone. When you look at what's given Alabama trouble, when you look at the pass catching threats out of the backfield and the speedier options, and you've just watched Georgia this year, to me, Kenny McIntosh is their best option right now. And he's certainly the best equipped and has the best set of tools for Todd Munkin in this offense to utilize against Alabama. So keeping an eye on him. And I talked about this the other night, too. Another another point here. I told you that this one, to me, for such a big game, you normally know everything about both teams. So these bigger games, you normally, at least I normally, enter the week with a pretty good idea of where I'm going to lean. That was never the case in this game. It still is not the case, to be honest with you. And it's because it is so much strength on strength, weakness on weakness. There's no area that I look at with either team as an obvious exploitation point. Normally there is. Normally, like, you're vulnerable at corner, and this team's got a couple of dynamite receivers. Well, that's not the case here. Georgia's got dynamite corners. Bama's got dynamite receivers. And so I still, and I was listening to Bud Elliott talk about this the other day, and we were kind of going back and forth, I still wouldn't be shocked with anything happening. As much as I told you coin flip, man, I'm like 52-48, 51-49 either way, it wouldn't shock me to see either one of these teams win by double digits either. Which leads me to this point, and this is kind of where my mind starts to go as you get towards game time. I always ask, and this this question will especially be pertinent Saturday, what could happen or maybe what's going to happen that makes you just kick yourself after the game or maybe even during the game? And you know what I mean by this, because we've all had it before, where you're watching a game, and in the middle of the game, like you think you've studied everything about it, you think you've thought every angle through, and there's something that's happening to where you, you know, like the Navy game in week one, where they're getting a score run up on them. And then you remember hearing them talk about not tackling a lot in practice. And maybe you bet Navy or something, but like early on, you see they are abysmal at tackling BYU. And you think to yourself, you're just kicking yourself. Man, I should have known. Big physical team like Brigham Young, I should have known. If you don't tackle in practice, you're not going to be ready. Well, both of these teams tackle in practice, but what could that thing be? I wrote a couple of things down. Number one, it could be that Alabama's offense is able to totally cattle prod Georgia. I don't mean run it up like 35 nothing or 28 nothing like they did Oklahoma a couple of years ago, but it could be that 
the dynamics that they have offensively put too much pressure or too many places on this Georgia defense, and you find out that, for instance, there are vulnerabilities, maybe their third corner's inability to maybe cover Jalen Waddle or something like that. I don't know what the case may be. Maybe Najee Harris is a much more dynamic receiving threat out of the backfield. Uh, maybe this offensive line stands up in pass pro like they have so far this year and just gives Mac Jones more time. The most time you've seen a quarterback operate with since Joe Burrow pl- played against them in, in Atlanta with LSU. Point being, obviously Georgia hasn't faced any kind of offense like Alabama. It's hard to. No one else really has that so far this year. But that could be one thing where you look at yourself, if Alabama's up 17-3, to and you say, man, I should have known. You know, Georgia's offense largely unproven on the big stage right now with Stetson Bennett, whereas Alabama, they got all these receivers. I should know better than to pick against that. That could be one, but I'll tell you also, you could have Georgia just take over the game physically. And then you're looking around, and it's a quagmire, man. They have, like, drawn Alabama out into the deep end, and they're, they're physically handling the line of scrimmage, and you are looking to yourself, and you're kicking yourself for that, and you're saying, I've watched every Georgia game this year. They've been this way every game this year. Conversely, I've watched Alabama. I've seemed a little bit unsure about them. They've looked a little unsure about themselves. I should have known in such a tightly contested game, I should have gone with a more physically proven team. 24-7 came out this week with the team talent composite, and, well, Georgia, lo and behold, number one roster in the country. I should have known that. Or it could be. Alabama's defense atones for last week, and you are playing the antithesis of the Ole Miss offense this week in the Georgia offense. It could be that you're kicking yourself saying, I should have known better than to think that Alabama's defense was going to struggle like that two weeks in a row. I should have known they were going to play with their hair on fire this week. I should have known, for instance, that Stetson Bennett, once he's finally asked to trade points with an elite team, that was a different thing that he hasn't been asked to do so far. So there's a lot of should have knowns there, and they're totally counterintuitive in some cases. What is the should have known going to be? that we're talking about come Saturday night, late Saturday night. A lot of you asked, am I changing my pick because Nick Saban's out? No, I'm not doing that. So I still lean Alabama to win the game. We didn't have any strong opinion on the number. Certainly wouldn't bet this game, but I took Alabama to win the game. Uh, Cell phone going crazy here. All right, here we go. Uh, Week seven predictions. Got a lot of them. Auburn, let's start in Columbia, South Carolina. Auburn minus three and a half at South Carolina. What do you think about this? I've heard from a lot of you this week, and a lot of you have been on very different sides of the fence here. I'm going to tell you which side of the fence I'm on in a second. South Carolina has been pretty good on third down defensively. I know there have been a lot of areas we can nitpick this team. It's not even nitpicking. It's just legitimate criticism. But they've been pretty good on third down. The reason that matters in every game, but particularly this game, is Auburn has yet to really find themselves in terms of identity offensively. They have not been good at all in game control type metrics, even against what you would call inferior teams to them. And when they have faced equal or superior teams like Georgia, they just totally get drowned. So Auburn has shown no ability to really control a game this year. And if you get them off the field on third down, if South Carolina is able to, in other words, do what they have so far this year on third down, I think it could be It could be a problem, and if it's a problem early, given the way that they had to play last week and scratch and claw and fight to the very end last week while Carolina cruised in Nashville, I think it could set up really for a second half where finally Colin Hill and this offense get things going, and they haven't been terrible now. Just because you lose, they lost against Florida. They didn't look terrible against Florida. 
I think Will Muschamp's defense has a lot better chance to have consistent success Saturday against Auburn than they did, let's say, against Florida. I don't use the Vanderbilt game a lot. I'm going to pick South Carolina to win against Auburn. Has really little to do with the Vanderbilt game last week. I think generally they've been trending in this direction, period. So this is Muschamp's shot. They're a slight underdog. They're a three and a half point underdog. I'm going to take Carolina plus the points. I'm going to take Carolina to win outright. Another underrated game in the SEC this week is Kentucky at Tennessee. Be careful with your perception here. Obviously, Tennessee is coming off a pretty convincing loss at Georgia, whereas Kentucky just virtually shut out Mike Leach and company. I think they had like six turnovers in that game on the plus side for Kentucky. I think the matchup benefits Tennessee, though. I'm going to tell you why. I don't think it's all that difficult to figure out. There is no passing game to speak of with Kentucky, whereas Tennessee, uh, this is not a team, unless you possess just overwhelming physical traits like Georgia, for example, this is not a team that you're going to be able to be one-dimensional against offensively and have very much success. While their talent level on defense at Tennessee may not be A+, I think they are plenty disciplined enough to limit a team like Kentucky. What would hurt Tennessee here and what would turn this game sideways is a bunch of turnovers. And you would expect sloppy play if you were to look in the preseason at this schedule spot. You look at the fact that you just played Georgia and you got Alabama on deck. So you look at this as that little sandwich opportunity for Kentucky to sneak in here and get a win. I don't really look at it that way. Just the way that the ball is bounced, I don't think any focus is on anything other than Kentucky right now. There's been a massive amount of criticism on that Tennessee run game and that offensive line, and I think this is a very good week for them to atone for that. I don't view this at all as Tennessee running away with this game. Quite the opposite. I think it takes four quarters to do it, but eventually, I think not only does Tennessee win this game, I think they find a way to cover it. Probably not the most aesthetically pleasing game on the slate on Saturday, but I like Tennessee to win. I like Tennessee to cover. How about Texas A&M? Yet another underrated game on the SEC slate Saturday. It's not all about Georgia-Bama Saturday. There's a lot on the undercard that I think's um, really entertaining. It got a lot of different angles here. A&M is a five and a half point favorite at Mississippi State. So I know what you're thinking. Anyone who knows anything about betting culture, anyone who's just watched college football for quite a while, you know how a point spread can play tricks on your mind, right? If I were to have taken Texas A&M and they opened as a 14 point favorite, you would actually be less concerned because you would say, okay, well, the odds makers think they're going to win big. So, so at least if they win by a touchdown, even, you know, they won't have covered, but they'll still win. But now it's down at five and a half. And so you think to yourself, oh, this has got to be a sucker bet. They just beat Florida. Uh, Mississippi State's looked horrible since week one. And yet it's only five and a half. Something must be up. Maybe something is up or maybe that's just what the line should be. You know, maybe there's not a whole lot of knee jerk. Maybe an odds maker doesn't think anything differently about AM now than they did this time last week. We haven't changed our opinion on AM all that much, but we expected them to compete with and possibly beat Florida last week. We expected Mississippi State to lose to Kentucky last week. We were on both of those games. So this is not a surprise to us. But now Mississippi State is sitting there, and it's one of those do down, do up situations. So, like, like that in betting culture, that matters too. But what does Mike Leach's offense do now? Because it's been two weeks in a row that not exactly the most premier brands in the SEC have largely shut him down. So what do they do? What's the plan B? Does he have another card, he being Mike Leach, to pull out of his back pocket? Mike Elko's defense has been both victimized at times this year in AM, and he's also shined at times this year at AM. Uh, they're vulnerable on the back end. They can get burned on the back end. I think a lot of folks 
who maybe lean Mississippi State here think to themselves, okay, I remember week one. I remember how my lasting impression of that game is Mississippi State receivers running free past and in that LSU secondary. And I remember Alabama doing that. And I remember Florida doing that. So that's what Mississippi State is going to do Saturday. Well, those are also two-dimensional teams. Those are teams where you got, I mean, Jimbo Fisher's offense, for example, is a lot different. And Alabama's offense is a lot different. Florida's offense is a lot different than the way they run at Mississippi State. So I wouldn't necessarily just think that's going to be the case. Can they burn that secondary? Yeah, I guess they could. I'm going to tell you something. i got to differ with our model here. Our model leans Mississippi State, and I think it's just picking up on situational dynamics. Like Historical data points would tell you, forget about which teams are playing. You don't bet on teams. You just bet on numbers. And the two sets of numbers here, or as you would call them teams, would tell you, based on historic data points, expect a close game and expect a possible upset. I don't. I don't at all because I don't think that this matches the historical data points. So I'm going to take A&M to win, and I'm going to take them to cover. And I actually feel pretty confident about that. I do not have a lot of confidence in where Mississippi State is right now. Uh, The last one I wanted to hit on is Ole Miss as a one and a half point favorite at Arkansas. I hate this spot for Ole Miss. I got to tell you, I really hate this spot. Uh, They are coming off of essentially a Super Bowl. And that's the way that they played. Bama played really late in the night. I think they drained the reservoir entirely there. And then conversely, you think about what Arkansas is coming off of. They're coming off of, for all intents and purposes, a win. Except that's not what the record book says they did last week at Auburn. And so if you believe in the whole wounded animal mode deal that our buddy J.C. Sherbert talks about all the time, hey, that's where Arkansas is. And they're coming home, and they got a game against Ole Miss. I don't know what in the world Ole Miss looks like coming into this game. But watch the start. Arkansas has not gotten off to the best starts in games. And if they get behind, like if, if Ole Miss does come in and they pop them for 14, 17 points early, Arkansas got down 17 zip early last week and came back and nearly won the game against Auburn. But you're also able to slow Auburn down scoring. I don't know if that's going to be the case necessarily this week. Uh, I don't have a good feel for this game at all. I do, before I give you my pick, one thing that I am interested in, There's a lot of comparative analysis out there. How's Mike Leach going to fare versus how Lane Kiffin's going to fare in the state of Mississippi? Well, Mike Leach already faced Arkansas, and they pretty much shut him down. Well, now Arkansas faces Ole Miss. I tend to think Ole Miss is going to have more success. So I'm going to take Ole Miss to win. I'm going to take Ole Miss to cover. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence in that pick, let me just tell you. Cell phone is still going off like crazy. Oh, boy. That's, That's not college football related. You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch and how you can discover this new level of softness with their iconic sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% responded that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They source the rarest 100% organic cotton for an incredible softness to start. Then they skip the toxins and harsh chemicals for a natural feel unlike anything else, and it all comes together with their signature weave. This special design feels buttery, breathable, and unlocks new levels of softness with every wash, and they stand behind their promise of softness. With their 30-night guarantee, you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. If during the 30 nights, you don't love your sheets or feel them getting softer and softer, you can send them right back. No questions asked. So head to BowlinBranch.com for 15% off your first order with code ODYSSEY. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, let's talk Mood Tracker this week. Love to do it. Do it most weeks. And boy, do we have some very interesting stops to make. Let's stop at Texas first. This is just taking the temperature of fan bases and Texas temperature. We got to take it very often. Like when I go into the office at 24-7, I have to dial into a digital nurse and I have to take my temperature to make sure I'm okay to go in the building. Well, that's like Texas, man. We've had to check on them every week. So I have their new mood as it's not me, it's you. This is a line from Michael Scott in the office. I just want to tell you, Jan, it's not me, it's you. Well, this is Texas. A Texas fan looks at it and says, wait a second. You ask me to invest emotionally, I do it. You ask me to invest financially, boy, do I do it. Horns up, baby. You ask me to show up to games when it's legal, I do it. You ask me to care about the team, follow it 24-7, 365, and I do all that, and yet I'm not getting a return on my investment, and you now have a head coach that, if I'm a Texas fan, I feel has not properly instilled a culture that shows respect to the traditions of this university, and there's a lot of underlying drama going on with that out there. Watch our Tom Herman video for Tom Herman, our Tom Herman, we're going to try it again, our Tom Herman video and Texas video from Tuesday, and we talked all about that. And I feel that way. So it's not me. I'm not the problem. Everyone criticizes Texas fans sometimes for being too, too involved and too clingy and too emotional. No, 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 no. That's not my problem. It's you, Tom Herman. It's you. So until we make a change out here and until we get a guy in that I can fully support and I can fully buy into, then I'm not going to shoulder any of this blame. Maybe sometimes I care too much. Maybe I love my program to death, but that's not the case right now. It's not me. It's you. At Ohio State, they haven't played a game yet. Why are they on the mood tracker? They are a caged animal. A lot of animal metaphors on the show tonight. Ohio State is a caged animal. Can you imagine, first off, being told you weren't going to play football? Then, oh, there are rumors we're going to. And then, oh, nope, quell the rumors. And then, hey, there's traction after all. And then, you're going to be able to play. And so, oh, great. All right, well, we're going to start a little bit later, but we're still going to be able to play. And then you watch the rest of the sport. And you watch some of these teams like Oklahoma or Texas who are supposed to be good and they're they're jacking around out there in the Big 12 and they can't get out of their own way in some cases. Then you watch Alabama and they're getting shredded. And then you watch Clemson and they're running up and down the field in Miami, more on Miami in a second. But at the same time, like that's not legitimate competition like Ohio State would present. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, we're going to be the class of this sport. If they finally let us play, we are going to be the class of this sport. Just let us play. And that is exactly what a caged animal is like. Ohio State fans, they just want to be let out of the cage. And we don't really care. In Columbus, Ohio, we don't care if the rest of this conference is ready. Because in our minds, we were going to run roughshod over you either way. We're ready to go to the playoffs. And first, we got to play a Big Ten schedule. Then we got to go to Indianapolis and we'll check those boxes like we always do. And then it's going to be playoff time. But you're a caged animal right now. Uh, in a good way, of course, if you're Ohio State. 
How about Tennessee? Tennessee got to be in introspective mode right now. You thought some things about yourself. The mirror may have lied to you just a little bit. So you go to Georgia and you think you got the offensive line to really stand up and give the Bulldogs a four-quarter fight. And instead, that's not the case. Minus one yards rushing when accounting, of course, for quarterback sack yardage total. Either way, it was just a bad total. So at no point could Tennessee really control the game there. And you were shown still that there was a pretty vast roster difference between you and your folks down there in Athens. But here's the difference. This has been known to derail teams before. If you have a championship culture being installed at Tennessee, you'll know it this week because they'll get right back off the map. You got te- you got Bama coming in in two weeks. You you got Georgia in the rear view, but it's task at hand. Nameless, faceless opponent. That's how all the big boys do it. That's why you see remarkable consistency week to week from teams that ultimately win championships because that's how their players think. They've had it put in their minds by proper leadership. So, hey, I'm not, I'm not telling you Jeremy Pruitt's not that. I am openly saying let's watch for indicators as to whether that's where we're headed at Tennessee. So you're introspective and you're kind of hurt. You're licking your wounds a little bit this week, but there's no bye. There's no UT Chattanooga. Uh, not that that would be a, a great escape judging in, by past history, but you got Kentucky. Take care of business against Kentucky. If you do that, it's not like it erases Georgia, but what you finally do is you finally look at yourself saying, okay, you know what? We're beating the teams we're supposed to beat. We weren't supposed to beat Georgia yet. It would have been nice. It would have been an upset. But now we got this program where we're beating the teams we're supposed to beat. Um, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because if you're doing that alone, you're already elevating your program far above most of the sport. And then you can worry about early signing day. And then you can start worrying about knocking off some of the big boys down the road. Right now, it's just introspective time. Had some things we thought about ourselves. Maybe they weren't all true. But... We could be a lot better still than we used to be. We think we are. We got to find it out. Let's wrap up with Miami. So close, yet so far. That's what it's got to feel like. When you watch your team open against UAB, solid performance. You go to Louisville and up and down the field on the Cardinals. And then you just smoke Florida State like pretty much anyone this side of Florida high school teams has been doing. But yet you still do it. You take care of business. You think to yourself, here we go. We're going to Clemson. We're going to be able to find out. And we think we can be competitive there. Bug on a windshield. Bug on a windshield. You know, it feels a lot like probably Tennessee felt like when they went to Georgia. And it's a setback. Mentally, it's just a setback. When you felt like you were closer than the product and the result on the field showed you that you are. But it's the same way as Miami is as it is with Tennessee. I mean, it's there's a huge difference between, oh, we're not elite yet and oh, we're the same as we used to be. No, you're not. No, you're not at all. I don't think that about Miami. I don't think that about Tennessee. And so, so close yet so far away. Well, that's what I say about Miami right now. But yet you're also far away from where you used to be. And I'm not just talking about record. Like they haven't even put up a record for the end of this year yet. I'm talking about where the caliber of the program is and where their standing is right now. And if I'm wrong about that, I'm wrong about that. But I think they've made progress. If you're looking at it as if you're climbing a ladder, top rung is still several steps away, but you're several steps above that bottom rung now too. So for Miami, so close yet so far. We got to wrap the show up with the Ramen Noodle Express. Our five best bets, we are sitting right at 60%, nearly down to the decimal, 60% against the spread this year. We gave you several already this week. I put out our last two on Twitter earlier today to make sure the line didn't move. So I hope you're following me there at late kick Josh. Do that. Do that, do that. Even if you don't care about betting. We talk about a lot of, obviously, non-betting stuff there, too. So follow me there. All right, here we go, Colin. Our final best bets. 
Obviously, we took Virginia minus two early in the week. We took the over 61, North Carolina at Florida State. We're staying on that. That's up near 64 now, I think. Uh, But we're taking the over 61 there. Cincinnati minus three at Tulsa. Duke plus four and a half is one of our new ones at North Carolina State. And Auburn at South Carolina plus three and a half. We are taking the Gamecocks and the Blue Devils, respectively. So we're taking a couple of dogs here as our fourth and fifth bets. Virginia minus two. Heels, Knowles, over 61, Cincy minus three, Duke plus four and a half, and South Carolina plus three and a half. Again, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Late Kick Josh. It is a huge weekend. It is a spotlight week in the SEC, so I'll be very active there. Also, it's not a guarantee that this is the last of our best bets. The last two weeks, actually, I've added one on Saturday morning, so make sure you're following me there at Late Kick Josh. All right, I got to get this sent to Colin so he can get it sent back to me to send to you. So for Director Colin in Nashville, I'm Josh Papertani and Jordan over on the podcast side of things. Thanks for watching, guys. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games and God bless. here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.